Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. Um, Hopefully you can – Deb Deb Landry is with us. Deb, can you hear me okay? I'm getting a little bit of, like, feedback in the background. Okay, good. I can hear you fine, yeah. Double checking. Our audio kind of went south as we went live, so hopefully everybody can hear us fine. Um, Hello, everybody. And we are both in Maine. Deb Landry is an author, and um, my goodness gracious, Deb Landry, you are about to win an award from the state of Maine or something <laughs> like that. or I mean, just you, you, I don't even know how to like explain all you do. You have been doing, I, I met you, I think when we, fir- when we first moved to Maine and I was just in awe of all of the philanthropy and humanitarian type work that you do. Um, and back then it was about bullying and harassment. I think it still is. Um, it is. But you're the, exec- yeah, you're the executive director of Crossroads. You're, I was in awe of, a lot of the things that you were doing, I'm like, I remember going up to you going, I want to try and do some of that, <laughs> like write a book and stuff like that. So I'm so grateful um, to have you in my life and our community. Our, our community is going to learn more about you today and be, be even more grateful for you as well. So um, thank you for being here well, on thank this you. flurrying kind of, did you notice the snowflakes flying earlier in Maine? Was it snowing where you no, are? No, I didn't. No, I'm blinded. I'm blinded, but I'm not ready for it. Oh, I'm not either. I'm I'm in Falmouth, Maine, and we just saw snowflakes, folks. So it's coming. Um, all right. So people can uh, go to Bryson. Ta- I know. Uh, people can go to BrysonTaylor.com while they're listening for more information. That's spelled B-R-Y-S-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com, and Deb Landry, D-E-B-L-A-N-D-R-Y, and one of the things that you just did is you put out a new book and it has a bestseller campaign launching today um, on uh, really, you can get your book wherever books are sold. So you can support the independent bookstores um, or go to Amazon, but the book is called independence. And I would just love to start there and then we'll kind of backtrack if you don't mind, but independence, great book. Yay. You. Thank you. Thank you. It's my first, uh, book that's not a children's book. So this is a memoir of my life, actually, a a part of my life, not my whole life, but a part of it. And it, uh, it actually is doing very well. It was, uh, you know, people ask me about, uh, you know, how how did you write the book? That's the question that comes up no matter where I speak. How, um, how long did it take you? And, and this actually took 65 years to write, but to actually really write it, it took me a year. And people don't realize how long it takes to write a book and to commit to it and, and do it the right way. And so I spent the last year writing it, and now I'm out, uh, you know, talking about it. Isn't that wonderful? And um, so it, it did you – okay, so let's just talk about your process for a second. Was the process of writing this 
so much different than writing a children's book? It was very different because I think this, you know, this is about my my life and I had to do a whole lot of soul searching. So it's the same process as far as, you know, doing your research, interviewing people, doing that. But this was much more emotional. And I think the biggest part of this, the emotional part was the PTSD and being actually diagnosed with it, which totally shocked me. And, you know, a lot of people think they have, well, people have anxiety. They don't think they do. And they just think that's just a normal part of life. But I was adamant to find out why I had it. And through that process, I found out that I was diagnosed with PTSD, which made me think that this is crazy. You know, this is what people in the war get, you know. So I did a lot of research. So it was extremely emotional versus uh, a regular, you know, process of going out there and finding what uh, you need to know to write about. So, yes, it was a little bit different. And it, it took me a lot longer as well. What made you go on the soul search? And while you're talking, I'm going to have to take a, a odd radio moment here. I have to take my my fleece coat off because it is so hot in my office. So cover, there's the zip. I'm taking this off. <laughs> okay. So Didn't even hear I it. I can't really Didn't mute my microphone and do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm roasting here. Part of being 51 maybe, but oh my gosh. Okay, there, I'm good. Um, okay, so go. deep dive soul search. What made you go do that? Because people are afraid to do that. Uh, I would too, yes. It, people are afraid to do that. And uh, I did it because I'm, a, I'm the type of person that needs answers. And all I kept asking myself is why, why doesn't my mother like me? Why, why, why? And, you know, th- that was the biggest thing. Why doesn't my mother like me? I mean, I have four children. I love and adore my children. I live for them. I work with children. So it was kind of, it, my life was like this little puzzle in a New England town. And, and there were certain pieces that didn't fit. You know, all the pieces were there, but some didn't fit. Even, uh, I, you know, I started the book when I, uh, at age seven. When That was the first time I realized something was different. And I was able to go back and, and realize why age seven, why at that particular time did it happen to me. And I was able to put those pieces together. But a lot of pieces weren't put together until I was in, you know, there was different things that just kept coming up. Some when I was a child, some when I was in my 20s, some when I was in my 40s. And, you know, the completion came at age 60. And between age 60 and 65, I figured out everything. Um, You know, I put those puzzle pieces back in and kind of shaved them off and made them fit. So, um, you know, so that was the process. And I'm just a why person. Some, you know, some people don't want to know. But uh, one of the things that I I tell people now that that I didn't before is, you know, we all did DNA tests for fun. And, you know, Christmas time is coming up and everybody's going to be getting DNA tests. Uh, you know, because that's a fun thing to do and look at your ancestry and all that. And that's what my family and I thought we were doing. And when <laughs> I did that, it it didn't end up that way. You know, it ended up, wow. And I've talked to so many people since the book came out and while I was doing my research that did do recreational DNA testing and were shocked at the outcome. So um, you, you have to be ready. You just can't go out there and, and you can ask yourself why, but you know, you have to be emotionally ready to go out there and find the answers. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things are hidden out there, aren't they? Do you want to te- do you want to go there and and tell people what your 
what was revealed with sure. yours or should we keep that as a secret for reading the book or I don't know how you're marketing your. <laughs> well, I can kind of, I can kind of outline it because my, you know, my book is, my book is about my uh, growing up and, and how I felt. And, you know, I, I grew up in the times where ch- children are seen, not heard. Um, so, yeah. you know, I just dealt with that. But to actually have these feelings, and then there's, there's so many different things that you can feel uh, about, and then you just, you know, you kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, you kind of fight with yourself about, do I really feel that way? Why do I feel that way? And, you know, that's not right. Yes, that's right. And somebody else is always telling you that you're wrong or something like that. So so there's many different subjects in my book. One being, you know, being diagnosed with PTSD uh, because of childhood trauma. Uh, so there's many different childhood things in there. Uh, a lot of stories that didn't add up, um, grandiose stories where, you know, you could have passed it off as a single sentence, but instead it was grandiose stories. So it intrigued me to look into them. Uh, but what the one thing I did find out is that I was not my father's, uh, my, I, I, I separate my father and my dad by the man that brought me up was my dad. And the man that is my biological father is my father. And to find out after 60 years that this man that you adored is not your biological father was traumatic. And it, but when that, when that final cap came, it was like, oh, okay, well, this is why all this happened. And although, you know, it's very painful, it gave me answers that I needed. So, you know, I hit PTSD, I hit the DNA, I hit my mother was, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what her diagnosis was. I say she was mentally ill with, uh, you know, she was definitely a narcissist. She had a uh, some kind of personality disorder. So those are all subjects that, that I hit in the book, even adoption, because we adopted a child. And if honestly, if we didn't adopt a child, I don't know if I would have ever gone down this road because we did the DNA because of, you know, oh, finding out his yeah. background. So you just never know what what road life is going to take you down, but being prepared for it. And, and it's, it is a, a story about resilience and how, you know, how mm-hmm. you end up coming out at the end. You're as strong as, you know, people are a lot stronger than they think they are. You know, the, there were two things that struck me about this, and I hope you'll address both of them. But the one thing was when I met you, by the look of your smile and who you are and how you go about doing all the things that you do, I never would have in a million years known any of this about you unless you had sat me down and said, Elizabeth, here's all about me, you know, kind of thing. Right. So, right. and, and, and which I would have loved by the way, just so you know, but I wonder, are you, were you ever afraid to be like, Oh, if they really knew all this stuff about me, they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't be accepted or I'd be labeled this or that. I mean, were you not just, I wouldn't do that to you, but I mean, other people might, right? Is, right. Is that, right. yeah. And, and, well, you know, that kind of goes back to, um, you know, you said at the beginning of the broadcast that I was going to get an award, which is a sentiment from the, the state <laughs> of Maine for 20 <laughs> plus years of, uh, of volunteering in, in, in my nonprofit because I don't get paid to do that. And so I have, I didn't know the answer to this. So when I met you, I was, uh, I was just being who I was at that time. And I don't know if I ever felt that way about, gee, if they knew the true me or if they found out, you know, where I came from, they wouldn't like me. 
Uh, one of the major issues that always uh, was that bothered me is uh, of all those things that happened in my book was what mm-hmm. would people think if they knew that I had my first child when I was 15 years old? A teenager, yeah. And and but you know I didn't have the answer to that. All I knew was you're a bad girl. You don't do this. You don't do that from my mother. And so yeah, I didn't want people to know that because. I would tell somebody that after they got to know me so they wouldn't judge me. So, you know, nobody likes to be judged. And no. now I'm, you know, after I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, and I said, you know, I'm proud of who I am and where I've come from. And what I've done, you know, when I, you know, I had to finish high school, I had to go to college, I did do these things all as an adult. And so I'm proud of that. And But now I have the reason why I did that. And children have to be, uh, nurtured. They have to be taken care of. I, I was a kid. If you figure, you know, yeah. 15 years old and I got pregnant, I look back at my kids when they were 15. They were babies, you know, and I, I'm just amazed that I, but the, what I found out after years of, uh, of counseling and research is that I was born an adult. I was treated as an adult, you know, as, as, as young as I can remember. So yeah. I never was a kid. So I, I thought at 15 I was an adult. So no, that I, I don't. So I think the answer to your question is no. It's I, I didn't feel that way. I just wanted to be what my mother wasn't. So that's what I based um, <laughs> yeah. who I was on. That I and remember you so, saying <laughs> very, yeah. very. I do remember you saying that like, oh, okay, and and you are. Right, and you I know, mean, a lot of people though, you know, it, it always, it always it gets me when people say, "Oh, my mother," "Oh, my," it's usually, "Oh, my mother," but sometimes it's, "Oh, my father," or whatever in the family. Whatever it is. I, I kind of giggle at that because, um, you know, be thankful that you have your mother and she's concerned about you. She might not think the way that you think, but she loves you, and that's why she speaks up. And you didn't have a mom like I did, so uh, you know. Lots of times if I would say something, I would think people were thinking I was that type of person complaining about my mom. So I was never a complainer uh, about yeah. any of that. But the um, but anyways, uh, one of the things I found well into starting our 501c3 was that I was redoing what my mother did and doing it correctly. Uh, and I touch in that and my book and that about my uh, when I was I was already I left the house at this time, and my mom was bringing people into her house, teenagers, and allowing them to do whatever they wanted to do. Right. And Don't they? Uh, where, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. <laughs> Your chef yeah. is gonna, I was going to ask about breaking the chain of, of things, that, but added in there. Right, and talk, that's kind maybe. of, you know, that's kind of what I did. And, you know, what's interesting is since the book's come out, I've had several, not one, not two, but several people that I knew growing, growing up uh, who came to me and told me their stories. And these aren't stories that I was privy to before I wrote my book, but they were telling me what was going on in my mother's house. And so I figured, you know, subconsciously, I started my crossroads and uh, did have a safe haven for children. And, you know, our number one thing is, of course, we do bullying prevention, but it is safety, you know, making sure kids are safe, and making sure that, you know, they have programs that they can be in that are safe. Um, they have adults they can trust, uh, you know, things like that. So uh, yeah. that's what Crossroads is. And, yes, we spend a whole lot of time on bullying prevention at first, but now it's kind of scaled back to 
looking at social awareness issues. You know, what are we teaching our kids? You know, we should be teaching our kids to stay safe, be resilient, um, coming to an adult they can trust when they have an issue, uh, things like that. So we do a whole uh, gamut of things now. It could be suicide, um, right. you know, anything. Um, and I do a lot of work with the, um, with the state on, um, you know, making sure that our laws are correct for kids in school and that they're safe in school. Yeah. Yeah, that you do a lot of work. I've I've been part of it here and there and I'm and I'm always grateful oh. to to lend a hand. I wish one of the things I wish for best ever you um is that, you know, people people always say, Oh, if we could teach this to children at a young age, they would grow up with some of these things. So as you do more and more, we've got these like core principles and things like that. It, it some right. I'd love to like look at that like through your lens. It'd be it'd be so it, it'd be so cool to to do that with you. But anyway, it's about, not about me, it's about you. I just thought of that. <laughs> you know me, I yeah, always do well, that. You know, <laughs> Go ahead. It's character it education, you know, yeah, teaching. It, that's and the reality yeah. is, you know, it starts, it starts right from the beginning, teaching your kids how to say thank you and how to be appreciative. And, you know, there's so many pieces to it. Uh, so so you, this is, you know, it's very interesting. Yeah. You've written um, children's books. I, I, I first knew you for your children's books, um, Yankee Go Home, The Snapdragon Princess, which is co-authored by our friend Kim Parrish, who you introduced me to, and yes. I just love her. Um, oh, and and the best, oh, God, she's beautiful and wonderful and helpful and uh, lovely. Uh, and the best-selling award-winning book, Sticks and Sticks, Stones and Stumped. And then you have a new one coming out, Summer Shadow. Would you take time to go through each of those? We'll just kind of sure, get back sure. and let you uh, talk, but talk about all of them because they're amazing. Well, Please. you know, I'll start with my first one was Stick Stones and Stumped, and that was written back when I started my bullying prevention uh, crusade, so to speak. And it, it was written specifically for Maine children with Maine animals. And what, what I wanted to do is I, I was lobbying for this law, and which is passed, and we have you know, revisited twice and, and got it upgraded to what it needed to be. But uh, I want, I, I had this delusion of grandeur, I guess it was, I'm going to write a book. Somebody's going to want to publish it because they're going to think it's awesome. And then I'm going to just go around the country and talk about bullying prevention and I'm going to save the world. Well, it didn't quite end up that way. And what I found out about it, and it, it was a best-selling book and still is, sells very well, uh, is that, I loved publishing, so I started my own publishing company. So I actually um, uh, self-published that particular book. The rest of the books were published under an independent publishing company. But um, but I did. I did that. And I uh, so it's a great book. Uh, still, I mean, it's. Uh, I want to say, I think it came out in 06 or 07, and it's still one of our biggest sellers. And right after that, that one is about bullying prevention in school, making fun of people who are different than you. The second book, Yankee Go Home, is about, um, you know, being safe after school. And the dog, Yankee is a dog, and Yankee's left home all day by mom and dad and then starts getting in trouble because he has nothing to do. So it's the purpose of having activities for children. And then when uh, Snapdragon Princess, I wrote with King Parrish, we wanted to uh, do something inter- intergenerational, uh, talk about this little girl. Every day she came home from school 
at, to her grandma's house, but she didn't know anything about her grandma. So we kind of, you know, it was about listening because every day grandma listened to her, but now she's learning to listen to her grandmother and how wonderful the things that grandma has done in her life and things like that. Uh, the new book coming out, Summer Shadow, which I'm working on right now, is a book about uh, a little girl whose shadow grows uh, because she's um, because people make fun of her, that she's different, and uh, and it doesn't to me it doesn't matter how someone is different, picks up on something and then just you know antagonizes you about that, and right. so Summer is you know her shadow grows and she becomes overwhelmed and then in the end of course she learns uh, how to deal with it so. Uh, that's in the, it's not in the infant stages, it's kind of in the toddler, you know, stages. So um, working on that now and working on illustrations and hope to have that out uh, over the winter. Good. Yeah. All, all beautiful, beautiful books with purpose. That's, I'm all about all that. About, so. Yes. All social <laughs> awareness. Social mm. awareness. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, do you mind if we put links up on Best Ever You to all of them? I noticed you have this beautiful oh, graphic sure. of you. Yeah, all of your books. It's a great picture of you with all of your books. And um, we'll, we'll make sure that we put that up so everybody's aware of all of them because, you know, you're crossing genres and, and we want to make sure people, people see that. So um, yeah. tell me about the Tell me, go, let's go back a little bit. Tell me about the PTSD. What do you mean that you were diagnosed with PTSD and, and when was that? Was that a long time ago or like, I mean, to me, if I had logged yeah. into Ancestry and gotten that news, that would give me PTSD maybe. I don't know. I know, I know. <laughs> no, it was actually, I was 45. And okay. so that was 21 years ago. So I started, well, uh, I kind of take you back a little bit more. I used to work in OB/GYN back when in in my career as a um, healthcare administrator. One of my jobs was uh, working in an OB/GYN practice, and I would see so many women come in in their 40s, and they would be, of course, you know, you're going through menopause, your children are leaving and going to college, your husband is having an affair. That was, you know, that was the 70s and the 80s, and right. it's like. I used to say, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that person. So I had made this promise to myself when I turned 45 or so, or if I had any feelings of any of this, I would go to counseling. So when my boys were getting ready to go to college, I said, oh, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do because I've been a mom for 20-some-odd years, and I now I'm going to have no kids in my house. I decided to go to counseling. And I walked into my counselor and I said, okay, my kids are going away to college. I'm going to be all by myself with my husband and I don't want to be depressed. And I, you know, I gave him my checklist and he said, okay. So we sat down and we talked about it. That was the very last time we talked about it. And then we just, all of a sudden, you know, he kind of took me back to, I don't even know how he got me to where he got me, but I just started talking about my childhood and everything that I had questions about. And so finally, one day I said to him, I'm saying, you know, how do you get paid by my insurance? It's not like I have a diagnosis. And he said, well, I put down PTSD. And I said, what? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's crazy. And, and so, you know, he kind of explained it to me. And the way he explained it to me, and this is how I try to explain it to everybody else, is yes, you know, there's, there's all kinds of words for PTSD, you know, shell shock, all these things that 
people used to have from the war. But your mind doesn't know if you're in a prisoner of war camp or you're at home being abused by your spouse. So, uh, you know, so I kind of realized that, wow, anybody could have PTSD. And it's just, you know, and I've always been that person where I can live through any crisis. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall down until after the crisis is over. I'll be able to get through it. And so that kind of surprised me. So then I started doing some research in PTSD and other people. And, and I've, I've read so many books. And it was an answer to the anxiety I was feeling. So I don't have anxiety. I have PTSD. So you can do certain things uh, or certain things can happen to me that's going to trigger that. And one very interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand is I do not like surprise parties. I'm so afraid of them. I'm afraid because, and I can go back through many stories now that I didn't understand before why I didn't like it, but things that happened that, that made it to the point was, oh, if I'm surprised and there's a party, I know that there's going to be a trauma. And so uh-huh. now I know that. I, but I, I still have to go to that surprise. Uh, my family knows not to give me a surprise party. But uh, yeah, mine does too. I can go through, <laughs> I do not like that. I can go through, I can go through that. It's, uh, you know, and... It was pretty cool the other day. So during the pandemic here, I've been, you know, binge watching certain things on TV. And right now I'm in the midst of Mad Men. And uh, I, I was reading a book about PTSD and things like that. And they had mentioned Don Draper. And I said, oh, I, I could really, you know, connect with this. And one of the episodes was about that, about the PTSD, the child trauma, and how he doesn't like parties. And, man, I could really relate to that. So it's a real thing. It's nice to be, it's nice to have something that you, that's tangible and you say, yep, that's what I have. I don't have an anxiety attack because there's something wrong with me. I have it because I have a diagnosis and I don't now, if I happen to feel any anxiety, I take a look at it and say, oh, well, it's because there uh, there was a surprise party. There was something. That's what, that's my trigger. So it's bringing it Um, back. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, there's a lot of great books out there about it. I'm just constantly reading about it. I think I have about PTSD, PTSD and childhood trauma and anything like that. DNA stuff. It's, you know, anything that fits around what I went through. Um, also as a child, one thing, you know, is children look to all these things that are going on in their life and they think that they are in a glass house and everybody knows what they're thinking and what they're doing, but we don't know. So I always thought everybody around me, especially my relatives, aunts, uncles, cousins, neighbors, things like that, knew how my mother treated me and didn't care. They just let, because I felt like, okay, this is the way I'm supposed to be treated because nobody cares. Nobody speaks up, but it's been very helpful for me uh, to reconcile with that when um, a lot of relatives have come back and said, oh, my God, we didn't know that you were going through that. And so, you know, we perceive certain things in our lives, and they're not true. Another one, reason why I'm a fact finder. <laughs> so, <laughs> are, you, are you a forgiver? Yes. Once I learned what forgiveness was, uh, forgiving is, is, is understanding, it's not forgetting. Uh, you know, you can, you know, it's not like if you're in a bad relationship and you keep jumping into that bad relationship and letting that person abuse you. Forgiveness is understanding. Because when you forgive, 
you let it go. You can let it go and walk away and, and make improvements in your life and in yourself. It's not forgetting what happened to you. And once I think, and I think that's a very tough word, forgiveness. But once you learn what forgiveness is, then you can move on. I loved my parents. That was the life I was dealt. I forgive my parents. I am not the judge and jury. It is not up to me to judge them for any transgressions they had or anything they did. They had their own crap, you know, in their own life. And I was just collateral damage, you know, so. uh, Did you go back and see what your mother or father carried forward? Like, have you gone even back further? Yes, and there is still more to do. So, so uh, I think I'm pretty clear on on my dad. And the only thing I don't know, and will never know, unless somebody actually stands up and comes forward and says, "Oh, I knew that," because both of my, uh, well, all three of my parents are deceased. So I'm not going to get that. And I did go back and interview several people about, uh, you know, did you know this and did you know that? And they didn't. It was it was hush hush. So the one thing I don't know about my dad is when did he find out that I was not his biological child? Now, he had to at least find out the day I was born because I was born two months early and I was full term. So from that day on until he finally realized it, um, I don't know when that was, and I don't know the conversation. So I'll never know that. Uh, There is a lot of stuff with my biological father that uh, is another book I want to do, but that's going to take a lot of research. I'm researching people that have been dead for 20 years that um, and other people involved might, you know, might be dead, might not be, you know, but they're all in their 80s. So got a lot of research to do. One of the things that I, and this is in my book, my biological father um, fathered two, two children and had uh, three marriages within a period of four years. And that was never his wife and the children that he ended up with in the end. But I have been able to research that, and that's in my book, that he, he actually married. I ended up being able to put him in, in my mother's town to, you know, so say, okay, yeah, he was there, and yes, that's, you know, how they met. But uh, he's got three, three women out there that he actually married and never divorced. So that is a book I want to go after. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, that some very, so. uh, yeah, it's very interesting. It's, wow, there's a lot of stuff and, there. Yeah. And how are you yeah. dealing with all of these n- new people in, in, in or not really in your life? I don't know where you're, where you're at with that. Well, the, the great thing is uh, the, the best part of this whole thing is that I now have a sister. Uh, huh. And the, the, the tough part about it is that we found each other a year ago, June, and we had two or three months together, and now it's the pandemic, and we can't get together. But we talk almost every day. Um, we this I've had this search, gone through this search with her, and that's been great. And she only lives twenty miles away, so I I, I love I love that I have a sister. Uh, I've never had a sister. I have a brother, but I don't have a sister. And so that is an amazing part of this whole thing. So that's the silver lining in my in my storm cl- uh, cloud. But I also have three other siblings who want nothing to do with me and Cindy. So. Um, so, so that's, you know, and nobody in that family, in that immediate family of my father, wants anything to do with us. 
Now, there's all these people on the outside, uncles, aunts, cousins, and all that. They've all opened their arms to us. And so I have all these new people. I was actually supposed to go to Europe this uh, past uh, this October and was meeting, uh, going to Italy and meeting with my great uh, aunt, who is well into her 80s, and her husband. And in Rome, uh, of course, we had to cancel that. So I'm looking forward to, um, you know, as soon as we can travel, go over there and, and do some research. And that will be part of, part of the next book. So interesting. If um if all of if all of this has existed, I'm just going to throw arbitrary 25 years ago. Let's just say or 20 years ago or whatever. Would you have been able to deal with all of this back then as well as you are now? Does that make sense? Like, well, I what would you? So. Yeah, it does okay. make sense. And I don't think I think you know I was given everything according to when I was supposed to get it. And one thing that you learn as you get older is to have patience and everything happens for a reason and, you know, all that stuff. And 20 years ago, I don't know if it was all dumped on me when I was 45, if I'd been able to take it. I was too busy raising children, you know, having grandchildren, building a career, all those things. And that's why I kind of think it went kind of by the wayside until I was uh, semi-retired and ready to start looking at everything. And the other, I, I, and I have to give my husband credit here. Uh, oh, you're going to bring he him has, in. He Hello, has, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, um, you know, he just, he didn't have this type of life. He didn't know anything about this stuff. And he's had to, you know, see me go through it, but he's been a rock in the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, 20 years ago, he was, you know, we were married 20 years ago. Uh, so, but having him is, is like having, it's like having a cane, you know, I have a, I have a crutch and he's, when I can't do it, he's there doing it for me. Um, mm-hmm. He's been right involved with all the research and if I need something, he's jumping in, helping. So I don't know. I think everything comes, We all, you know, if you think back, you know, 20 years ago and what you were like and, and you know, we were different <laughs> then. and, you yeah. know, so, so yeah. Uh, I'm not always fond of that exercise. (laughs) I'm not always fond of thinking back 20 years and I'm like, was I as patient and kind with everybody I encountered? Was I, and I'm like, I think I tried to be, but I'm not sure I was. I I don't know. I'm like, maybe I thought I was, but for me, that's, that's true. It's like, you know, you just, you have other focuses, you know, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, you had four little children and, you know, your oh focus gosh, isn't yeah. on things like this. Yeah. So yeah. It, all, it yeah. all comes in due time. And, it's, yeah. a, it's a great mm-hmm. message to, you know, pat yourself on both shoulders and give yourself a giant hug and, and ease up on yourself a little bit. Because if you do take that trip down into memory lane and into the past, um, it can, it can do all sorts of things. So no matter, no matter what it's, 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 um, I, I like what you did, what you did just now, just a bit ago, you, you rooted in gratitude. Like, I don't know if you know you did that or not, but you did. You, you rooted yourself right, right, right. into gratitude mode when you said the silver lining in my storm cloud. And I, I love the fact, and I'm wondering if you want to, I'm a big fan of gratitude. I think like after nearly dying a couple of times, I root like almost everything in gratitude. Exactly. You know that. Do you want to talk about gratitude? Right. Sure. You know, that's one of our core values, at, you know, at Crossroads. It's, it's, 
it's uh, when we talk about bullying prevention, I always start my, my talk is bullying is a symptom of a much larger issue, much larger disease, and that's the lack of good social graces. And you have to be grateful. You have to be, uh, you know, we, we, I use the word grateful. I actually do a monthly thing for all the kids in my program. And, and of course, coming up is thankful and grateful, you know, the month of, of November. And yeah. you have to be grateful. You, it's, you know, I, I don't even know how to put it. It's just one of those core values that's going to make you the type of person you are. And it is, it's like respect. And I, respect is my word. I use, I use kindness. I use gratitude. I use all these words. But my favorite of all these core values is respect. respect. And, it's, it, and you do not have to, you don't have to be kind to somebody. And I don't mean you can be mean to somebody, but you don't have to go out of your way and be kind to somebody. Or you don't have to be grateful to somebody. However, all those things come if you have respect. If you have mutual and self-respect, all the other stuff is going to fall into line. You're going to be grateful if you respect somebody for doing something for you. You're, if you, um, you know, any of those. Uh, it, you're just not going to bully people if you respect yourself and you have mutual respect for somebody else, no matter what they decide to do in their life. We are not God. We're not the judge and the jury. We are just supposed to congregate here in this world and be grateful for what we have. Um, and so, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I love it's that. hard to it's hard to define like forgiveness. It's hard to define being grateful if you don't get it. You have to kind of get it. And what does yes. that mean? And 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 I think it's sad that we have to teach it. It should be something that you, Innate, yeah. you come with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so, a, it's yes, a, there's words gratitude. that are super hard to define, you know, success, you know, all those are, they're, they're tricky to define and they mean different things to different people. And I, I want to go back in our circle of talking. Cause you know, we get to, we talk in circles a little bit, which is not negative. It's positive because at, when you do that, you, you keep uncovering what it means to you. And um, one of the things that you just said about respect was respect yourself. And so much of what we do here on best ever you is helping adults learn to respect themselves. It, oh yes, yeah. yeah you I can take it. Broken it down into different areas, you know, like health, wellness. You I know, do, yeah. it can be something as simpler as you know, uh, not smoking or good skincare to you know going to the doctor for your annual exam or whatever. But I love how you have all your little blogs broken down into all the different things that can be because you know you think. And if you think of the word best ever you, uh, you know, think, oh, okay, you know, I want to make sure I get my makeup on, my hair done, the right clothes on. <laughs> but it's everything. That's just superficial. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. And, this, you know, start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best ever you is tricky because um, being being your best can mean a bunch of different areas, like you're saying. And so we do those core, six core principles, art, core, heart, humanity, sport, spirit. Uh, I think I got them all. I don't know if that was five or six. <laughs> we, we had we had Alpha had in the six, and I think I got them all. But um, and and at any given time, you know, not all of them might be firing on the same cylinder. But at least the awareness right. and the respect, um, the 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 incredible respect, the self love, self worth, the responsibility, the respect. I love that you that you love the word respect. Um, I I love the word responsibility. 
It, oh, that that okay. speak can yes. be heavy though. That can be heavy to people like feeling the responsibility right. for yourself. It's like, Oh, you know, especially when you don't want to have responsibility for yourself. <laughs> you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, cool. Um, I, I love talking about all those things with you. And, and with, when we have guests on the show who have some advice to give in that in that score, which you certainly do, because um, you're the, tell us about Crossroads, because you're the executive director for Crossroads. Um, and right. that's, that's longstanding in the state of Maine and has helped so many people. We're, we're coming up on uh, year actual year 22. And we've, we've had worn many different hats and done many different things. It actually started out as just a project my husband was doing in a course he was taking at Bangor Theological Seminary. And they said, oh, start a program in your church and, you know, do this. So he did that part of it. And then we realized, when, and I don't even know how we realized this, is that it was, it was needed in our town. But it wasn't needed for people in our church. It was needed for people that didn't go to church. It was for families that their kids didn't have any place to go after school. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't play sports or you weren't in band or something like that, what did that child do? So we started an after school program based on uh, character education and core values. And then it kind of, we started singing and dancing for our money because, you know, I, um, I did everything. And uh, this was what, 1999 when we started so I, I did everything. I was my own lawyer because we had no money. I was my own <laughs> accountant. I was the executive director. I was doing everything. I even did uh, two years with AmeriCorps Vista uh, and it, just so that I get my resources and things like that. So uh, that's how we started, and it kind of went into more specific into bullying prevention. We, we, like I said, we'd sing and dance for our money. I would have to write grants, but we'd also do shows and raise money to pay the rent. And so, so it's, it's been through many cycles, but the one thing that's been consistent is that we're a social awareness youth organization raising resilient children. And now, um, you know, 22 years later, we're, going, we're bigger and better than ever, and we're not only in Maine, we're across the United States. We've moved into Canada. We've moved into you know, uh, Central America, the islands, and things like that. So some of our United Against Bullying program has really grown. And uh, so a lot of awareness going on there about what bullying is and, and you know, what social awareness issues are important. And uh, we've done a lot. So we've gone from a small town holding it in our church to, you know, internationally. I love it. And – yeah. it- yeah, no, it's, just, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and also, um, you know, as if you're not doing enough already <laughs> to, to help everybody, you you have this amazing podcast, too. Um, and thank you for having me on as a guest. That was very kind of you. Um, and But, you you know, you've had some of my friends on, and I'm just super grateful for, for your podcast. But t- tell us about your podcast. Well, uh, podcast is uh... – Raising Cane podcast, and uh, the name stems from back in the day when you and I first met, and we were both writing for Raising Maine magazine when they both came. Uh, I, I guess they came after us, asking us both to blog to them. You were just starting Best Ever You, and I just started my Raising Cane um, podcast, and uh, so I mean, not podcast, blog. And yep. then, um, uh, you know, as I've been blogging here and there uh, uh, throughout the years, not not really uh, faithfully uh, or religiously, but 
I, uh, you know, as podcasts started getting popular, and I, I love this conversation where you can just say what you want, and you don't have to worry about if you, you know, if it's scripted or anything. And right. so we decided uh, about a year ago, I think it was just about a year ago, we decided to launch uh, Raising Cane podcast to reflect on what we do at Crossroads. So social awareness issues, educating people. I think education is key for everybody. The more you read, the more you research, the more you know, the better uh, you know, you're going to be able to make a decision about anything in your life. So we do a lot of family things. We've just done some travel. Um, so we're, we're, we've probably been up, I think we started our first season in February, took off the summer, started our second season, and I think we've done about 30 or so. So we're averaging one podcast a week or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it's been good. It's usually my husband and I bantering back and forth about a subject or we have, <laughs> um, you know, we'll t- we talk about the subject first. And then like when I interviewed you, which um, I don't know if you in- listened to yours yet, but uh, I think I mentioned I got to have you on our show four or five times so we can cover every subject. Informational stuff, just whatever, you know, what, what can make you a better person? What can, um, and so that's kind of part of what Crossroads is now. Um, uh, Raising Cane podcast is under Crossroads. So it's a free service that we give to the community. Yeah, it's lovely. And um, you're going to be a thought leader on Best Ever You. You're up there. I've got to fix your link. I just noticed that the link doesn't point right to you just yet. So I'll fix that. So it points to the blogging that you do on Best Ever You. But yeah, you and I were blogging before blogging was a thing. (laughs) It cracks me up. I know. I know. We were in print. I have all those, I have all those prints of, there was, there was all the Raising Maine um, magazines that we were in. And then uh, when Best Ever You started and we used to do the magazine, do you still do the magazine? I I haven't done the magazine for a while because we haven't really had anybody to put it together. And as you know, uh, um, graphic design is not my, my, uh, Jam. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Everything's online now. Everybody reads it online. You can save a lot yeah. of money and give a lot of advice without being, uh, without having the, uh, the problem of trying to find advertisers and everything. Yeah. So, I would yeah, like so to that's see that's when we did that. We were, we were pioneers in our time. We were. I'd like to see Best Ever You Magazine kind of come up and be like a electronic flip thing now. Um, yeah. Yeah. versus a printed magazine and all that. That was really expensive, too, to print things like it that. Was. And then what you always ran into with printed anything is the distribution. Um, because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like what I thought. I hit a really big roadblock. I thought you could just take a printed things and put them in the grocery store things, in the grocery store uh, wire things where people grab free magazines. I didn't realize that was its own business. And you actually had to pay them to put your stuff there, which was a free giveaway. So it was really confusing to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this. So that was the magazine story. But my, right, what I, right. what I wanted to happen with the best ever you magazine, was it for it to be an insert into a newspaper was my dream, like to insert that right into the press Herald or, or something like that. So um, I still kind of have that. Right, in the background. Like raising Maine. Yes. Yeah. And then the, the whole, the whole thing with raising Maine is that they, they didn't make a, a go of that, which I, I still have people bringing that up to me and people loved it. I think it's maybe because it was coming out, but uh, in, in, you know, in a paper copy, but I don't even, I never understood why they just didn't keep it up. 
Yeah, I didn't either. I'm like, that was that was yeah. super fun. I, I yeah, wonder if they yeah, have I all that. that. Still up there. So you okay? So let's keep let's keep going, um, because one of the things that um, when you're studying like you are with all of this experience and things like that, I know in my own personal experience with you, I've been like. Uh, Deb, can you help me do that? Or can I copy you? Or can I, you know, um, I, and it gets. Anytime. You things, can copy yeah, me anytime as long as I can copy you. Yeah, well, that's the thing I notice about you too is you don't get annoyed by that. Some people get all, be like, get out of my space, you know, go do your own thing kind of thing. And you're, you're a phenomenal and always have been teacher if, if the, if to other people. And so I want to make sure people listening to this hear that if they have a question, they can really actually go to you. You're so approachable from how do I get a children's book out to how do I blog to, I mean, I just asked him like, Hey, I like your book graphics. How'd you do that? And you're like, here, you know, you're so approachable. But you do the same thing. You do the same thing. And I ask you a question, you give, you know, that's what it's like to work as a community. Well, you know, and, and that's your children's book. Uh, Pink, Pinky's book. Pinky. It, it, that's exactly what it talks about. You know, Pinky needs the community to help her out. So that's, you know, I love that. I love that you can just go to somebody else and just say, what do you think of this? And, uh, oh, try this. Because it saved you a lot of time and money. And, you know, nobody's going nobody's gonna to be, there's not going to be another me, thank God. But <laughs> there's not another me. There's not another you. So nobody's going to feel yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and I think I kind of, as I get a little older too, I think, well, you know, there's not one person who's like great at everything. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Is there? I mean, I kind of think we all need each other a lot. Right. Right. Not right. Nobody's good at everything. And if they are, they're probably not good at any of them, but that's just my opinion. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) you you know, you just, you know, you need other people. You just, you know, I mean, when you, you know, when you have a business, what do you do when you have a business? You, you know, you hire a CEO and you hire an accountant and you hire a manager. Everybody has their own skills. So going after those people for their skills and working together can only benefit everybody. My response in my head when you said that was, well, I do two things. I Google a lot and I pray a lot. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Exactly. Um, yes. Well, you know, I went to the University of Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, I've, um, I think I've learned more on Google than I have in, in any kind of class I've ever taken. <laughs> oh, yeah, Google. I don't even know. I think back to like being a kid and having to go to like the library, which I love libraries, don't get me wrong. But uh, to find what you needed to write a paper in different books, and the card thing, you know, the well, I don't even know what they call that anymore. The, right. You know, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, an yeah. encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Google. It's so much easier. Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when I maybe you're maybe you're not old enough. I'm old. But when I was a kid, we had to we had to go to the encyclopedia. That was yeah. Google. We'd go to the yeah. encyclopedia. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they sold are so them to your door. Right to your door. It's like yeah. you want to buy this set through this much money. I have a set of those, and a set of. Um, we showed as our kids were growing up. We're like, yeah, this is called an encyclopedia, you know, kind of thing. And they're like, this is great, you know, so much. And they say, Mom, don't you mean Wikipedia? <laughs> oh yeah, oh so much different. Um, oh, okay, we're gonna. We, I don't know how much time we have left. Hang on, I gotta check time. Okay, we have eight minutes and thirty seconds. Okay, just so you are you have a heads up on time. 
I kind of want to go back to your book and talk about okay. whatever you want to talk about. But I, I, I kind of want to talk about the, I know whenever we have people on who have put books out, everybody wants to know the, how did you do that from the children's books to the self-help books oh, to sure. memoirs to whatever it is. Yep. People always want to know, are you traditionally published? Are you self-published? Are you hybrid published? Was this easy? Is it expensive? So, do you want to put your publisher hat on for a little bit and give us a little sure, sure. lesson? Well, <laughs> you know, like I, like I said, I like to research. I like to read. I like to be well-informed. So one of the things that I did when I uh, wrote Stick Stones and Stumped is that I started looking into who was going to publish me and didn't realize the, the, you know, the process. And, and I thought, you know, I thought I had the best book ever. And so I read a lot of books. And what I realized is, you know, there's a lot, you have to have a respect for it. Uh, you know, everybody that I talk to, when we talk about publishing, has a book in their head. If somebody hasn't thought of that, I'm, I think I've come across one person that said, no, I never thought about writing a book. Everybody has a story. Everybody's got a book. And there's many different ways. The way I started back out in the early 2000s is not the same way that publishing is nowadays. And there's many different types of publishing. The one thing I tell people is never pay to be published. Uh, you should never pay somebody to do that work for you. You can hire somebody to market it for you and things like that. But if somebody comes to you and said, I'll publish your book, it's going to cost you X amount of money, you know, you want to take, stay away from that boutique type publishing. Um, mm-hmm. and because, because nowadays with, with Kindle and Amazon, anybody can upload free of charge their own book and get their own ISBN number um, and not have to pay a cent. So uh, if, if you are... If you do want to be published and nobody will publish it, you can publish yourself. Uh, I, I like, I mean, independent publishers are great. There's so many of them right now. Uh, I, I debated whether to go with an independent publishing company to publish through my company. What do I do with my book? Um, I think people have to be well-informed and understand what they want to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is that what most authors don't understand is there is a process, and you should be doing the process, and if you follow the directions, it will work out for you. But the person that sells the book is not the publishing company, not Amazon, not Barnes & Noble. It is you, the author. That's what, that's what sells this book. And that's where I see that it falls short with some of the authors that we have published over the years. It's like, oh, I'll give you my book, and then I'm never going to do everything else. You're going to do everything else for me, and that doesn't work. You've got to be out there. You know, you don't, I don't leave the house without a book in the back end of my car in case somebody asks about it or a card. Um, so I think that publishing is, um, uh, it needs to be, the process needs to be respected, that you can't throw a book together in a month. You've got to do your research. You've got to uh, know what you're talking about because once you publish something, you're considered an expert. Uh, so it's like it's like doing a research paper in college. You know, you've got to do a whole lot of research before you can come up with that final product. So, um, so I've done self-publishing and I've done independent publishing, and I, you know, it's it's all based on the individual. But you need to have one very important person. Uh, I think you have to have a really good editor and your book has to be professional because people will not respect you unless you have a nice cover 
that you yeah. have your content is good, that things are spelled correctly, uh, you know, things like that. So it's a, it's a process. So not everybody can be published is what I'm saying without going through yeah. the process. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hear. Um, and I'm sure you found that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've done self. I've had your help. I've had, you know, I've done a, a traditional with the Hay House. Um, all sorts of things, and I I think it I think it's critical that it depends on the project, like what what the book and the audience needs. Exactly. And editing, exactly. I, I think editing were, is huge. Oh, editing is yeah. I think the most important thing. I you know I bet when you went through like when you were published by me as an independent because that was a children's book, but yep. uh, when and then when you went to Hay House, it was probably a totally different type of process. I mean, I'm sure you didn't have the creative uh, autonomy that you had when you and I were doing it. Um, Nothing. You know, no. it, 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 yeah, it's tough. Yeah, no, in fact, with the, with percolated, I submitted one thing and I had a couple ideas for it, like the way it turned out, but it percolate went through two rewrites. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Percolate was originally submitted to Hay House as each, as like the ABCs of life with e, uh, uh, what my dad said in that speech therapy session, each as a chapter. So 26 chapters right. beginning with like aardvark, benevolence, courage, you know, that kind of thing. And they're like, well, you're going to, to talk about that and go through 26 things is going to be really tricky. And, and I was like, well, we've got the process of change too. So it got completely restructured and um, delayed. Actually, I signed in 2012 and it came out in 2014. So that's the other huge thing about traditional publishing is you're going to wait a while to see your book versus um, like self-publishing and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. I I love I love what you say. Yeah, you you meet people and they they, oh, you're an author. I have a great idea for a book. That is probably the most common sentence spoken. And how many times you get somebody say, "Oh, do you have a book I can have?" Yeah, that's and they it. forget that buy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that's the other thing too. I don't think um, that people realize that you know we have to you per, when you're an author you buy you know you buy your own book in a way that you could give them out as like. Uh, a, maybe a gift or whatever, you know, like you have a stock of books. Here, like I have 10 yeah. books. Yeah. I have like 10 books here, you know, for example. Um, but right. beyond that, it costs me money to, to buy right. my book and give it to, give it to somebody, you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> it's, it's you know, interesting. And, and I, I don't like explaining that, but you figure, you know, if you look at my book independence, if I spent uh, over, I was about, I guess, 11 months. If I spent right. 11 months full-time working on that book and now it's finally out, I didn't get paid in that 11 months. Right. So, you, you know, you're taking a risk that uh, hopefully that you'll sell and, you know, or, or somebody will take your book on and give you a, you know, give you some money or something for writing it. It's tough. Yeah. It's like you go for a whole year with no income on that. And that's, that's the tough thing about being a writer. Yeah, it is. And traditionally published, what people don't realize is if you get an advance, um, generally speaking, I guess, I guess, depending on who you are, um, you don't see royalties on that until the advance is gone through in book sales. So you, one way or another, you're always, it's always tricky with the, with the marketing. I I totally um, support the statement that the marketing is to the author. Um, 
Right. It's so critical that people people think, you know, you publish a book and a jet lands in your neighborhood, the red carpet rolls out and instantly you're famous and, and rich from it. And, you know, everybody's handling everything about you. And, um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Right? True. Yeah. Hair on top of the head true. podcasting. But anyway, um, it, <laughs> we're going to go into record mode here. But um, I have just so loved having you on the show. And yes, you need to come back too. And we'll keep talking about blogs you write and things you think of and, and um, your daffodil, pro, your daffodil um, project. Is that what it's called? Yeah, daffodil? That's, that's in the daffodil project. And that is a new book that I just, I don't even have a contract on yet, but um, I just kind of got that off the ground yesterday with a co-author. So that's something I can talk mm-hmm. about later on when we get that confirmed. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's, before we go, just say thank you to everybody. I love you guys. Um, you, you support our show. You embrace our guests. You buy their books. You visit their websites. You chat with them. That's what we're hoping for here. This is um, our guest today. It was Deb Landry. Um, she is many things. Most recently, she has a book out called Independence. It's available wherever books are sold. And um, right now, uh, Amazon with an audiobook coming out soon, too. Um, I'm sure you can sign up for Deb's mailing list at BrysonTaylor.com and get notified maybe of, of when that audio comes out or follow Deb on social media and you'll see her post about it for sure. Um, where do you love to hang out the most in social media just before we go? Uh, mostly Facebook because I'm old. <laughs> Yeah, there's no kids there anymore. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right. Um, okay, so Facebook, you can. I'll, I'll put up a link so that people know where your but Facebook I, but is. But I'm on all of them. I, you know, I yeah. do have all of them. But you're, yeah, in my website. But I want okay. to thank you for having me on your show. I'm very grateful, Aww. and I'm uh, so nice to be on here. Thank you're you. Such a yeah. good interviewer. <laughs> you're funny. This is your show. You're not supposed to compliment me, but <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, but I, I will accept to. your compliment and, and be grateful for, for you. But thank you for your time and thank you for all that you do. Um, I'm so excited to to follow you and see all the cool things that you do. And I'm I'm really happy that you're being recognized by the state of Maine. Um, that's that's a long time coming. That's Finally, right? Thank you. <laughs> That's a terrible way Thank to say you. that, but I'm like, yay, you got her. <laughs> That's cool. Anyway, um, all right, everybody. Um, Deb, thank you. And everybody, thank, thank you, you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. Um, we're going to come back. This was our second show this week. Um, yesterday we had Dr. Greg Hammer, who was a Stanford medical um, pediatric anesthesiologist with the book Out Gain. Today is Deb Landry with Independence. And we've been kind of this week, Taking that look within, we're calling it sort of a, like a reach within. Um, and so Coach Solano is going to be on tomorrow. He's the head baseball coach of New Haven Baseball. And he comes on and he talks about, yeah, we talk a little bit about baseball, especially with the World Series stuff that happened yesterday. But um, so I'm sure we'll touch on that. But we love to talk about how things translate into your life um, from his experiences with coaching for so long and some of the things he sees that apply to us um, adults and kids and things like that. Just a, he's a great, um, he's got a wealth of expertise and knowledge and he's going to come. Um, I think he's going to have a top 10 ice cream list, Deb. <laughs> we all have yeah. a top 10 list and I think tomorrow <laughs> is ice cream flavors. So um, anyway, all right, Deb, thank you so much. Everybody head on to com. 
Um, Deb Landry, her book is Independence. And thank you all so much for listening. Everybody knows I hate to end shows, but we're going to do it. All right. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Take care. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You.